Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. This is anything but footy. And I'm getting that golden glow over me, thanks to para-GB athletes and British cycling doing so well in Holland. As someone said to me who's been listening to the podcast, thanks for the feedback, by the way, we want more of it. And rate us on iTunes as well, because that gives us an idea about um, and gives us a good opportunity with, for iTunes to rate us. That They're getting excited for Tokyo 2020, and we're getting them excited for it. So all I will say to that is now we know how the athletes are beginning to feel. I'm John. And I'm Michael, and there's less than 500 days to go to the Tokyo Olympics. A little bit more, of course, to the Tokyo Paralympics, and that will certainly be our focus, the Paralympics and Paralympic sport. On this edition of Anything But Footy, and as John says, we would love to hear from you. You can always email us, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. We love to read your emails. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We love your tweets as well, anythingbutf on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube as well. Mm, Absolutely. Now, this episode is entitled In With The Old and The New. Um, 46-year-old, can you believe this? 46-year-old James Cracknell is to become the oldest ever boat race rower, assuming he takes part. Uh, He's been named in the squad and the team for Cambridge. While 10-year-old Sky Brown has become the youngest ever British Olympian. No disrespect, but Dame Sarah Storey continues to show the youngsters the standard needed in paracycling. And new dad Max Whitlock shines at the British Championships ahead of the Europeans. And Adam Peaty, well, he just keeps setting new after new after new record so young and old new and old no comment about me and michael there this is anything but footy and we go into a brand new olympic sport that is going to be in tokyo 2020 and we saw five british skateboarders being selected to receive uk sport aspiration funding um, announced this week designed to assist athletes from sports outside the world-class program which of course we've been talking about uh, here on anything but footy uh, for the last few episodes very much looking forward to seeing this sport at tokyo we've got some great medal opportunities sam beckett 26 year old former x games gold medalist is considered britain's best chance of winning a first skateboard medal but it was all about 10 year old sky 
Brown, who is one of these five named um, uh, to get this aspiration funding from UK Sports. She's been pro for two years and is a pro in surfing as well, which is also a new Olympic sport. And she wants to try and compete in both events in Tokyo. Now, Sky is not someone who is uh, afraid of the limelight. She won last year's junior Dancing with the Stars in the US. That's Strictly Come Dancing uh, Juniors to you and me, Michael. Uh, I know you're a big fan. And becoming a social media sensation and raising tens of thousands of dollars to help Cambodian orphans as well. But 10 years old, Michael? Surely, surely this is too young. I only watched Strictly Come Dancing when Greg Rutherford was on it, to be (laughs) honest with you, or Johnny Peacock. I have serious concerns about this. I must... Um, start by saying that she's 10 years of age she's clearly very very talented sky brown surfs skateboards dances japanese mother british father um she had said that she was gonna compete for japan but has switched to great britain i presume obviously there's some kind of financial incentive behind that and as you say part of this gb skateboarding team if they get the nod in december which we think they will to compete in tokyo in 2020 there was an excellent excellent piece on the bbc news this week put together by their sports correspondent Natalie Perks and that is what has given me the concerns about Sky Brown because there she was she's the youngest ever Nike athlete she's recently appeared in a big campaign with Simone Biles, Casta Semenya, Dina Asher-Smith and there she was sat with her sports manufacturers logos plastered all over the place you know and I know how this kind of thing works that will have been a condition of that interview and she was talking very confidently about her ambitions to appear at the Olympic Games in Tokyo in 2020. She's clearly very good. I've been reading some some articles about her, some reviews about her. She has the skill. She has the tricks by all accounts. Whether she has the, the strength and the power just yet, well, let's remember she's just 10 years of age. And my concerns stem from, you know, when you say names like Drew Barrymore, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, people like that, people that had fame, had fortune, had success at a very, very young age and then went off the rails for a bit. And my advice to anyone listening to this that is concerned with Sky Brown, is in the Sky Brown team, parents of Sky Brown listening, go and speak to Tom Daly. Mm. Go and speak to Tom Daly's family. Go and speak to Tom Daly's advisors. He's been there. He's gone through this. He was slightly older. At Beijing, he was 14 at the Olympics in 2008. He's handled his career quite superbly. He's never had that really gone off the rails bit the likes of Drew Barrymore or Britney Spears has had. He's obviously had a lot of media attention. He's had all the commercial deals. He's had the interest from television. But he's continued to perform at an elite level of sport as well. And add to all of that, and we've spoken about this before, he's retained his personality and he's still a level-headed, decent bloke. So if I was saying anything to Sky Brown's family, she's still 10 years of age. She'll be 12 in Tokyo. Very, very young to go to an Olympic Games. I know we've had youngsters competing for Wales, competing for England in table tennis and in diving, respectively, at Commonwealth Games level. But the Olympic Games spotlight on Sky Brown in a new sport, skateboarding, surfing, whatever it is, will be completely different. And I would just urge all the people around her, all the people from Nike listening in that are putting her front and centre of their campaigns at the moment, 
go and speak to the Daly family and find out what happens next. Mm. Of course, we wish her all the best of luck for qualifying and obviously getting selected and all at Skateboarding England as well. Uh, she'd become the youngest British summer Olympian and second only to figure skater uh, Cecilia College, who competed in the 1932 Games in Lake Placid at the age of just 11. She was the uh, last British youngster and the last British athlete to win two medals in two different sports at the same Games. Uh, again, Edward Barrett, who won tug of war and heavyweight wrestling at the London Olympics in 1908. It's a heck of a thing to put yourself up for when you're just 10 years old, as Michael says. Uh, in total contrast, from the young to the old, 46-year-old James Cracknell, then the double Olympic champion. I mean, what a superstar in Sydney 2000 with Redgrave, Pinson and Foster. And then four years later again with Ed Coode, Steve Williams and Pinson again in that Coxless Four uh, to win his uh, second gold medal at the Olympics. Um, you know, retired in 2006 after rowing with Ben Fogel. Frankly, enough to put anyone off. Totally understand that. But he's back in a boat and he will be in the boat race team in 2019 for Cambridge University, uh, just nine years after tragedy struck when he was hit by a vehicle as he was cycling in Arizona and his helmet was struck in two. Uh, it changed his life, him and his wife Beverly Turner say. It changed his life remarkably. He's more short-tempered and he's got epilepsy from it as well. But he's studying at the ma as a Master of Philosophy degree in human evolution at Cambridge University. He's in the light blues. Of course, Pinsent was a dark blue. Now, uh, Michael, what do you make of this 46-year-old um, James Cracknell? I mean, he is a superstar in terms of Olympic sport, and that's what we talk about here on Anything But Footy. But I have a feeling that it's not quite the right thing for either him or the sport. First and foremost, I think it's great that he's not allowed the, the injury, the head injury, to define him moving forward. Um, he's created and mastered a, a good career as a broadcaster, as a commentator on rowing. Um, and obviously, you know, he's got a young family. You mentioned Beverly Turner, his wife there as well. They will have had to adjust and they will have had to essentially start again. And I was going to be slightly facetious. I was slightly facetious when I first heard this news. I was thinking to myself, James Cracknell's turned up at uni to do a kind of evening cookery class. <laughs> and all these Germans and Americans that have been there getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning to row on the River Cam are suddenly going to miss out because this guy that won Olympic medals um, back in the day, and it is back in the day probably for a lot of them, is suddenly turning up and being put in the boat. It's great publicity for the boat race. Um, it's an event which continues to capture the public imagination and it captures the public imagination by being live on the television still. It's still a big feature. It's still a big weekend of sport. But for a lot of people, the university boat race, the varsity race between Oxford and Cambridge, uh, on the River Thames, heading past Putney and all the rest of it. And I know you've worked on the mm. event in the past. For a lot of people, it's just this archaic throwback to something that, as a nation, we thought we'd moved on from. Mm. It continues, though, to pull in good ratings, both on radio and on television. And it now has that magic dust, if you like, of James Cracknell, someone that people can associate with, can recognise. It suddenly has that magic dust of this double Olympic champion taking part in it. But you have to 
feel a little bit sorry, I think, for some of the other rowers that have probably built their, their lives, their, their studying and their career towards this moment and fun, suddenly they find themselves out of the boat. Yeah, you're not telling me he's any better or better than someone who's 20 years his junior. Apparently he's joked that he's seven years older than one of his teammates' fathers, uh, which, is, which is staggering in itself. You, and, you, and you're right, Michael, you know, I covered the boat race for five years from 2005 to 2010 on the banks of the river. It's never been so cold, uh, frankly, in March. I think it snowed one, uh, one March when we were covering it. Um, it's, it, you know, it's ridiculous that he's in the boat because, you, as you say, it doesn't need the publicity. It's one of those moments of spring. It's the London Marathon. It's the Grand National. It's the boat race. It's the thing that happens on a weekly weekend basis with the Six Nations as well uh, building up to it. And you just think, surely this is taking off some of the shine. And previously, the oldest person to compete in the boat race was a 38-year-old in 1992. And the oldest to row when he was chosen the Oxford crew in 2008 was Mike Worley, who was 36 years old. I think he's turned it slightly into a joke. But is it what the media want? And is it what the public want? Because as you say, we're doing it. They're doing it. Everybody's talking about it. And from a sponsor's point of view and from the boat race point of view, maybe that is what they want. It's exactly what the public will want. It's exactly what the media will want. Whether it's what the rowing fraternity want, I guess we would have to go and ask them. But, yeah, he will be front centre. He'll be the face. He'll be the voice of all the publicity in the build-up to the boat race. And, as I said, it will it will still get massive coverage nationally on television, on radio as well. But there will be so much written, said, broadcast about James Cracknell now in the build-up to this race. And I just go back to that point. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for those those guys that have been working mm. through the ranks for the last couple of years that, that maybe are going to miss out on their place in the eight now because James Cracknell's come on the scene. And, you know, if if he's there on merit, um, and, you know, if the tests have been done and he's been getting up at five o'clock in the morning and going out with the others and he's he's physiologically coming up with the same results as the men younger than him and he's eligible for the race, then fair play. But it, it does smack a little bit to me of um, an event of something that's maybe looking just for that extra little bit of publicity. Yeah, and it's 10 years older than the last oldest ever competitor. I think that says enough, uh, frankly. Still to come on anything but footy, we're going to talk new dad, Max Whitlock, back in action for British Gymnastics, and those new, new, new records continue for Adam Peaty. But a mixture of old and new coming up as we talk about British cycling, continuing to dominate in the world of paracycling. A few episodes ago in anything but footy, we were talking about the World Track Championships and that British cycling with just one gold medal was thinking ahead to Tokyo 2020 but wasn't quite ready yet it would be in the position but I can tell you that British cycling have had its most successful highest ever total of medals at the World Power Track World Championships with 20 medals um, over the three days up in Appledorn uh, in Holland and uh, what a performance uh, from some of the big names and some new names as well Michael what caught your eye particularly? Well, it's impossible, isn't it, as you say, with all those medals, to name everybody. A um, couple of things caught my eye. Katie Toft, obviously, has won a couple of medals across the weekend. She won uh, one of her gold medals in the WC1 three-kilometre pursuit, but she was the only rider 
in the event. That, to me, suggests that there is some work to do um, across the world in making these categories, these classifications, I should say, um, a little bit more even and having a look at the spread of the events because it makes a bit of a mockery of it, a farce of it, if there's only one rider going to the starting line, if you like, with Katie Toff. But take nothing away from her. She also won the Scratch Gold as well. Uh, Sophie Thornhill and Helen Scott, I met both of them down under at the Commonwealth Games where paracycling is very much integrated with the uh, the track program there. Uh, they've won another gold medal. They also won a medal earlier on in the week as well. But we go back to some of those names that we're familiar with, the likes of Kadena Cox, who we remember from the Paralympics, won both athletics and cycling medals. She won a gold medal in the time trial. She's been struggling with this uh, really bad knee injury. And Jodie Cundy, 16 rainbow jerseys in his career, 16-time world champion. Um, I just think if Jodie Cundy, um, maybe in a, in a different discipline, in a different sport, had won 16 world championships, we'd already have crowned him Sports Personality of the Year. And yet there's just been, I think, such indifferent coverage mm. over the weekend of what's been a fantastic um, three, four days of competition and fantastic success for British cyclists as well. Yeah, we're going to talk to him about that in a moment because he has criticised the uh, the non-streaming uh, of the event, which we'll come to in a moment. I think I think you're right about the the people that you you, you caught, you know, you highlighted, Kadena Cox. I mean, you know, she is that 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 Yorkshire grit of a rider. And uh, what's worrying for the rest of the world uh, when she won that gold on the first day is that she said she had a technical issue with the gate at the start, uh, so the time wasn't what she wanted. She set a time of thirty six point one seven six seconds and she said it's frustrating I've gone so quick with a bad start but I guess that suggests there's more to come so uh, frankly if you're, if you're the rest of the world you'll be going oh my goodness we're gonna we really need to up our game and Jody Cundy as you say 11 world titles on the trot uh, with a podium finish in the world kilo title so well done to him on that and we'll talk about him more in a moment but I must pick out Dame Sarah's story her first appearance since Rio uh, and the birth of baby Charlie as well and she claimed her first track title since 2016 uh, in the three-kilometer individual pursuit in the WC5 uh, category uh, classification, as you said. She said afterwards, I raced here four years ago, so the same time from Rio as we are now from Tokyo, and I did a 3.39, so I was really pleased with a 3.37 today. I mean, there was gonna. she went on to say, there's no complacency from me. I'm going to keep working hard. And that's what we love about Dame Sarah's story, isn't it? Because she just keeps going and going and going. You mentioned a couple of people who'd who'd won a couple of titles, Sophie Thornhill and Helen Scott uh, winning and also Katie Toft. But, you know, Dame, Stor- uh, Dame Sarah Story just keeps on going and she came back as well uh, to win the scratch race as well in the WC5. Uh, world titles 14 and 15. She also won a silver in the 500 metre time trial as well. 41 years of age, um, a super mum to the extreme. So well done to her and well done to everybody and particularly Neil Fackie and Matt Rotherham, who lost out defending their title in the tandem kilo events uh, to British rivals James Ball and Pete Mitchell. But then they turned the tables on them in the sprint the very next day. Uh, gold for Faki and Rotherham and the defending champions in that one. So well done to them. So lots of, of good performances as well. Some work to be done. Uh, I thought defending champion like Megan Giglia uh, had to settle for sixth in the WC3 pursuit uh, and also was edged out in the medals in the 500 metre time trial. So, you know, she did brilliantly in Rio and you'd expect her to come back um, and, and, and perform. And also uh, Laura, Laura Faki and Corinne Hall, who claimed a bronze 
bronze medal. Uh, Faki saying afterwards, we've got a challenge on our hands and we know what the target is now. It'll be fun to go away and work on going quicker. And that is all you can do. So a record-breaking number of medals for Para-GB uh, and uh, British Cycling at these World Track Championships. But Jody Cundy unhappy once again with the UCI not live streaming the event. He says, I can't understand how this keeps happening. And it is frustrating, Michael, isn't it? When you think of these world-class athletes that we're talking about at the moment, that actually, you can't actually watch it anywhere. Yeah, the UCI have been a bit of a joke, um, to be completely and utterly honest with you. Remember, this is the organisation that actually forgot to apply to be in the 2020 Paralympics initially. Initially, there was not going to be a paracycling programme. Now, what they have said in their defence is that paracycling is now fully integrated into the track discipline. But what has happened over the weekend and what Jody Cundy has kind of vocalised is that perhaps they say it's completely integrated. Perhaps it's not quite as integrated as they would hope. Now, in 2023, we've got these inaugural Cycling World Championships coming to the UK. They will incorporate track, mountain bike road bmx and paracycling all together that will be good i mentioned obviously in the gold coast at the commonwealth games there is a track program that incorporates uh, the the traditional track races and also the paracycling disciplines yeah. as well it works really really well on the commonwealth games at the commonwealth games and we'll do again in birmingham in 2022 but Jody Cundy, I completely agree with him because his his efforts over the weekend again, and I said already, a 16-time world champion, yeah. he should be a knight of the realm in the way that Sarah Story is a dame um, because of his achievements. But it will go by the, the British public predominantly this weekend because there hasn't been the coverage. There hasn't been the live streaming. And he said it should be a condition of hosting. So Appledorn or Manchester or Glasgow, whoever hosts this event again in the future, it should be a condition of hosting that streaming TV coverage should be sorted out and part of it. And I agree with Jody Cundy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I absolutely right. He says, you know, it's like we tell them what you want to hear and then their actions show nothing has changed. And it must just be so frustrating as a four-time Paralympic champion. You're still competing. You're still setting records as, you know, as you said, with Dame Sarah Story doing what she does as well, um, just having that coverage. But we will try and keep up to date with what's going on in the world of paracycling here on Anything But Footy uh, as we continue. And, and sticking with cycling uh, as well, because Jess Varnish, who was um, a uh, European team sprint champion for British cycling. She also won uh, medals at Glasgow 2014, from memory, uh, in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, but um, she's not a cyclist anymore. She is, at the moment, uh, deciding to, or has now decided, to appeal against the decision... Um, that she took to an employment tribunal uh, against British Cycling, uh, where she said that she was, or they said she was self-employed. And what she's trying to prove is that when she was sacked um, for um, or dropped by the team, uh, if you were sacked, you probably were employed, so you probably don't want to say that. Uh, they probably didn't. Um, but she was dropped by the team in 2016, um, and she was... Um, you know, not happy with that decision ahead of Rio, and she is going to continue this fight. Uh, the original claim was against British Cycling and UK Sport. I mean, it would have huge implications on the way the sport is funded. I suppose my take on it slightly is it seems a bit weird. You know, she's 
she and her legal team are saying that uh, she's likened it to the gig economy, uh, which is your Deliveroo and Uber drivers. And, you know, there's lots of, uh, of uh, talk about them being employed rather than them being self-employed. But we've talked about it on anything but footy, Michael. And, um, you know, other athletes have had their funding withdrawn and their sponsorship withdrawn. Laura Waitman and Holly Bradshaw in athletics. So they're not employed. They're not suing because they've had it taken away uh, and they've just decided to get on uh, and do it. I suppose what Jess Varnish might say to that is that the only way you're going to get into the Olympics is via British cycling. And if you're dropped by them, then that's the whole issue. But what, what, what's your take on it? I have massive sympathy um, for the situation that Jess Varnish is in. Um, I, I agree, obviously, and the law must take a legal viewpoint of this, that she is the recipient of funding, which is similar to something like a university grant for example, so she isn't in a pension scheme, she doesn't get sick pay, she doesn't get holiday pay. That said, she's given her life to, her working life, to to British Cycling. She's not been able to do something on the side. If you are on the British Cycling programme, you are there 24-7. I remember spending some time with Jess Varnish in the build-up to the 2012 Olympics, where it didn't work out for her, and Victoria Pendleton. She obviously felt that 2016 was her chance for a bit of retribution. She could not join the London 2012 party in the way that everybody else seemed to. She was one of the, the few stories from London 2012 that went the wrong way as far as London and Team GB was concerned so she thought and she must have really targeted Rio 2016 as being the games for her and then to be dropped just ahead of the games in the manner that she was I can understand her frustration and I can also understand then the way that she feels that having given her working life to this program having been there and turned up for work and had to clock in and clock out and all the rest of it um, she then just feels that they could just ditch her like uh, you, you like they did and, and move her out the programme and just say thanks but no thanks and yes she's obviously taken it badly she's gone to this employment tribunal she's now dropped that case against UK Sport and that is the bigger picture UK Sport because they're essentially giving these grants to around about a thousand over a thousand athletes at the moment now if if this appeal works against British Cycling and Jess Varnish and her legal team can prove that she is to all intents and purposes an employee of British Cycling, well, that changes it for the other thousand people on that funding because suddenly UK Sport will have to start thinking about things like pension schemes, holiday pay, sick pay, and they will not be able to fund. They'll simply not be able to fund, and we've already spoken about the shrinking pot of money from lottery cash. They'll not be able to fund the thousand-plus athletes currently on the scheme. Absolutely. It has uh, big ramifications. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, anything but footy. Well summed up, Michael. On to British gymnastics, who are well-funded, of course, now, thanks to the likes of Lewis Smith and Max Whitlock, who is... Uh, Beth Tweddle. And Beth, Beth Tweddle. Tweddle my f- yes, good point. My favourite medal of London 2012. I had two favourite medals quickly at London 2012. Tom Daly winning a bronze, because I thought it was fantastic reward yeah. for the way he... he basically took diving on to a different level in this country and Beth Tweddle as well because without her medals at World European and then finally at Olympic level we wouldn't have seen the success that we've seen with the likes of Max Whitlock and others. Fair point, fair point. I will uh, slap my wrist for that one. Absolutely right. I forgot about Beth and that's a, a poor show on my part. Um, but Max Whitlock is one of the stars and I think it's interesting with British gymnastics because there's a bit of a changing of the guard. There's a lot of new names coming through, um, but Max is coming back 
uh, into form probably at the right time. He will have had, taken a bit of time away. Um, absolutely came back at the at Gold Coast. Was in uh, slightly surprised with some of the results and the performances uh, at the Gold Coast when you were down there, Michael, uh, as well. But you know, this is a groundbreaking British gymnast. His first ever, uh, our first ever Olympic gold, uh, and then turning that into double gold in Rio, of course. Uh, one of the nicest people in sport, and, and now a dad as well. Baby Willow is just a few weeks old, and he was actually cradling her while doing the stretches before yeah, before the British Championships uh, and before taking his pommel title, his best event, of course, um, and um, those British Championships in Liverpool. He scored on the pommel 15.350, which uh, anything on a 15 for gymnastics is pretty impressive stuff. And it's given life a different perspective, I would have thought, uh, going into Tokyo, but it's probably made him stronger. And he's looking to do more in Tokyo as well. Um, you know, just 26 years of age. He is the daddy of a great British gymnast with Niall Wilson uh, injured at the moment as well. Um, you've got the likes of James Hall, who dominated the men's competition from start to finish, won the all-round event uh, for them. And then 19-year-old Ellie Downey, who's had two ankle operations since winning the Euro title two years ago, uh, the, winning the women's all-round event. It's, it's impressive to see these young people doing so brilliantly at gymnastics and really encouraging the next generation uh, to continue that success of Tweddle, as you said. Just quickly, before we get on to our any other business and another young man, the 24-year-old Adam Peaty, on the subject of Max Whitlock, great sport is often about great rivalries, isn't it? Now, Max Whitlock had a rivalry with Louis Smith. Mm. They, they pushed each other on as far as the Pommel was concerned. And Rhys McLennan, the, the young Northern Irishman, will now be the, the rival to Max Whitlock. He'll be the one chasing Max Whitlock down as we head towards Tokyo 2020. He's the one that, that won the medals, of course, at the Commonwealth Games. And I think the fact that those two are, are coming to the fore together, with Max, the senior man, if you like, in the partnership that will just help as far as um, British gymnastics Irish gymnastics is concerned as we head towards the next Olympics uh, let's move on to Adam Peaty and swimming then John project 56 still very much on track Adam Peaty looking to become the first man to go under 57 seconds uh, he raced in a 100 meters breaststroke event in Edinburgh 58.73 seconds and then he said I was only at 70 percent capacity <laughs> what does that say for the likes of James Wilby Ross Murdoch Craig Benson and the others. Yeah, it's the fastest time of the year as well, isn't it? I mean, I know it's early days in the season for, for the swimmers, but uh, 58.73, over half a second faster than anyone had swam before uh, that evening as well. Just shows that Petey is determined and determined uh, to get to where he wants to get to. And he, he said afterwards, you know, this is a confidence boost for me. Um, I didn't think I'd get to that number one ranking spot. And, you know, he's uh, looking to push himself uh, really forward on that. And, and great to see, as you say, the rivalry you know talked about Lewis Smith and Max Whitlock you've got your James Wilby um, and Ross Murdoch who uh, were in their favoured 200 metres over the Edinburgh International over the weekend as well uh, and again Wilby uh, coming out on top with both men pleased with their efforts uh, at this point of the season it's still early days but boy oh boy is it good to see the uh, swimmers continuing to push through as well as the athletes that we've talked about on anything but footy uh, on other episodes as well so plenty of things coming up to look forward to as we continue to bring you big sporting events to this country michael some big news from the canoeing world 
Yeah, well done to British Canoeing. The British Canoeing and UK Sport bid to bring the World Canoe Slalom Championships. Uh, remember, they are hosting the event this year at the Lee Valley and it will be coming back in 2023. So well done to all of those involved. Uh, we've got just a week to go to the London Landmarks Half Marathon as well. I noticed on Instagram that Amanda Holden will be taking part. I'm covering that <coughs> next weekend. So. Looking forward to seeing Amanda Holden and maybe Simon Cowell. And just quickly, well done to Wales winning the Grand Slam in World Cup year. Japan has a big couple of years as far as hosting sporting events is concerned. Michaela Schifrin as well, the first skier to win World Cup victories in the overall, the slalom, the giant slalom and the Super G. She's completed the clean sweep this weekend in Andorra. Dave Riding finishing his season, a season where he got on the podium, of course, with a 12th place finish. And Jay Jones, double Olympic champion, won a silver in Belgium at the Taekwondo. Remember, Great Britain is hosting the World Championships this year in Manchester in May. So we end up where we started, something new as well as old, a bit like anything but footy podcast. Please like us and rate us on iTunes. Help us build on our profile. You can share us on Facebook and Twitter. And this is anything but footy, unashamedly Olympic and Paralympic bias. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.